What's up? It's your pal Wintergastodicus, and this is the bar slope. Every episode, take a look at a fanfiction or a collection of fanfictions, and these can be either good, bad, or in between, but mostly, they're bad. So if you haven't heard, J.K. Rowling has, of late, been trying to retroactively fix the Harry Potter franchise and make it more diverse. She's saying shit like, Oh, this character, uh, X character over here was an Asian-Mexican gender-fluid Jewish trans-lesbian all along. Look at me, I'm so hip with the kids. I've been sitting on this mega-bomb plot twist for 20 years. Silly Rowling, fix it, or her fanfic writers. I wanted to do this episode to coincide with the release of The Crimes of Grindelwald because, you know, probably be all like, Dumbledore's gay, y'all, but you don't get to see it. Nagini, that snake, actually a Korean woman who becomes the pet of Magic Hitler. Definitely not racist. Oh yeah, and we cast Johnny Depp, a known abuser, as one of the leads. Now, I'm not going to get into the whole Nagini thing. It's a really thorny and complicated issue, but I will say this. The official concept art, it's terrible. Two words. Snake titties. That is all I will say. But what if the Harry Potter series had just one responsible adult in it? And if the representation, what if it was already there? Then you'd get something like this series, which is called Much Better Dursleys Can Fuck Off, Slytherins Are People Too AU. And we're only be talking about the first installment, the Chamber of Secrets and half the adults are idiots. They started on the second book, I don't know why. The rest of the titles though are at least worth mentioning because they, they get progressively angrier as they go on and it's pretty amazing. Prisoner of Azkaban and the incompetence of the wizarding judicial system. The Goblet of Fire and Jesus fucking Christ, what the actual fuck is wrong with you people? The Order of the Phoenix and holy fuck people, Voldemort might not have a nose but y'all have eyes, would you please fucking use them? And lastly, the Half-Blood Prince and wait, that isn't even pertinent anymore because Snape actually teaches and there's a fucking war, people! So, quite a personality, as you can see. They talk a lot in the tags, too, and they leave the same AN on a lot of their chapters, and it just says, like, I love you guys, or something like that, and it ends with, unless you're an asshole. <laughs> so they've got some strong feelings about shit, and they're passionate, and they're gonna tear JK a new asshole. So this individual's biggest gripes are that the Slytherins weren't treated like actual people, it was just like, oh, looks like you're in the snaky snake house, you must be evil. And also that everyone was like, yep, let's leave Harry to be raised by his abusive relatives. What could possibly go wrong? And they hate Dumbledore for being just irresponsible shit. And they love McGonagall, or perhaps what McGonagall could have been. So yeah, they're just rewriting the entire franchise. Let's discuss the writing style first, as usual. This author isn't particularly eloquent or anything, but they're, they're pretty good, they're good enough. They actually proofread their shit. The bar is low, fellas. I'm actually impressed whenever people proofread their shit. And the style's right where it needs to be. You don't have to be really wordy and specific when you're mostly going over events that we already know about. The pacing can be a little weird at times, but it generally flows pretty well. The whole chamber secret sequence at the climax of the book isn't nearly as dramatic as it is in canon, and you really expect more for the ending, but 
That's because a responsible adult actually takes care of it instead of Harry just stumbling his way to victory, so I don't blame the author for that. That's really the point. It was supposed to be less exciting. And they do get kind of weirdly sidetracked sometimes. An issue they have is just randomly introducing new concepts or characters or stuff like that without any warning. For example, there's this chapter where Harry is going to see Dumbledore, and then we just totally change gears to talk about Fox the Phoenix for a while, and then it goes right back to the other thing, and we don't even hear about Fox again until they need him to peck out the basilisk's eyes at the end. So I do have a few small issues with this, but overall it didn't detract from my enjoyment of the fix, so let's get going. So we don't start off at the Dursleys as one usually does. Harry has fucked up his flu powder travel and now he's hiding in a cabinet overhearing Draco and Lucius talking to each other. And the canon divergence begins straight away because Lucius just snaps at Draco really harshly and Harry's like, well, fuck, I know that tone. This fucking Dursleys talk to me like that. Draco's dad's about to beat his ass. Like, fucking Weasleys are actually decent parents. They never sound like that. Sure, Draco's kind of a dick, but we're, we're fucking 12. I don't think I need to hold a grudge against him for my whole life. We can both change as people. So he grabs Draco by the arm and just runs off with him. Lucius angrily goes after them, but Arthur Weasley eventually just straight up tackles him amidst the chaos and they just fucking roll around on the ground wrestling until Hagrid pulls them apart. And then Molly is like, yeah, sure, you can stay here with us, Draco, because Lucius gets arrested for, you know, like, going fucking insane and throwing dark magic curses in the middle of Diagon Alley. And, you know, Draco's a bit uncomfortable, but he starts hanging out with the Weasleys more and befriending them, especially Ron. And because of all this, Ginny does not end up picking up Tom Riddle's diary. Susan Bones is the one who gets to do that here. Meanwhile, George learns that Harry's home life is even more fucked up than they thought, because, like, Harry's passed out for some reason when they go back to the flu network, to the burrow. Uh, he's just really malnourished and weak because the Dursleys didn't feed him, so he has a lot of medical problems in this. Actually, he spends a lot of time in the hospital, uh, and George discovers that he's got a bunch of scars, and he's still really skinny, even though he's been with a Weasley's eating lots of good food now for a month. They decide to take him to Madame Pomfrey's in Hogwarts, even though it's the summer, to get all that shit treated. He's still unconscious, by the way, and she just fucking takes a look at him, and she's just like, um, yikes. Let's go get Snape so we can uh, get some potions for this kid. And Snape shows up and he's like, well, fuck, I promised Lily I'd protect your son, but so much for that. And he actually reflects on what a dick he was to Harry and he decides to stop being a dick. Will Snape get an actual redemption arc? Not that fucking bullshit JK pulled where he's like, uh, your mom friends on me, therefore I'm a good guy. Even though I abused you for seven fucking years. Because I had a grudge I held against your dead father. You know, because I'm a piece of shit and everything. And he actually tries to be nice the next time he sees Harry, which is hard for him to do. But hey, he manages to be kind in his own, like, I admit in shit sort of way. And as promised, someone actually does something about the fucking Dursleys. Dumbledore shows up and he's like, oh, I didn't know it was this bad. McGonagall, she's your mom now. She's your legal guardian. And you never have to go back to that fucking place. <laughs> and McGonagall gives Dumbledore a stern talking to. Like, she's gonna do this quite a few times in this fic. I'm sure she does it a bunch of other times throughout the rest of the series. And she's just like, why the f the whole Dursley thing was such a terrible idea in the first place. And she also just rips on the Philosopher's Stone. Like, wh why the fuck did he try to protect this 
precious relic with a literal monster among other fatal obstacles in a, f in a castle full of children. It was just a terrible idea. You're so stupid. She's Harry's mom now, so she visits him. She wants him to call her Minnie, which is weird. It's weird to think of her by that name. And, you know, now that it's mentioned, I don't think I ever knew that Minnie could be short for anything, even though it's got the IE at the end of it, as with many nicknames. But here's what the internet says about that. Minnie was traditionally a nickname for Mary, but it can also be a diminutive of Minerva, Wilhelmina, Clementine, Hermione, or Amelia. It is sometimes used as a name in its own right. So the more you know. And Draco, he's still he's still living with the Weasleys, at least for the time being. As you may recall, Lucius is in jail. And everyone's kind of chill with Draco just staying around, and he also agrees to stop being a dick, seeing as it was his dad who encouraged him to act like a dick. And Ron also agrees not to be a dick. So many things get fixed in this series if people just stop being dicks. So many things in life get fixed if people stop being dicks. That's really the root cause of everything wrong with the world. People just being dick, so don't be a dick. I'm a bit of a hypocrite, aren't I? Running this show mostly to rip on people. But yeah, um, do what I say, not what I do, you know? So this author, aside from deconstructing and fixing issues with the original content of the franchise, has put in some of their own ideas. Harry was so special in canon already, being the chosen one. So it's not that I dislike these particular head canons or ideas. I think that he's just got so much shit going for him already that giving him even more special abilities is just overkill. Just slight issue I have with this fic. Like nothing wrong with putting your head cannons in there. It's just a lot. So uh, here's what they changed. Harry can kind of sense magic. He's like, oh, the potions cabinet is too bright because there's just so much magic there, and he can like recognize people magical signatures, so to speak. Uh, he didn't know that it was a rare ability. So McGonagall uh, explains that it's a rare mage sense that he has. And he's also got some capabilities for wandless magic here, which... Did the series ever fully explain why some people could do that and some couldn't? But anyways, yeah, he can do it here. And he is not a horcrux in this version of events, which isn't important in, in this fic, but I guess it matters later on in the series. So, alrighty fellas, let's get to Hogwarts. Draco's now officially part of the group, and they all get blocked from entering through platform 93 quarters, as in canon. And they decide to be responsible. And they get Arthur to drive them to school in the invisible flying car instead of fucking stealing it. And wow! Slytherins and Gryffindors continue to stop being dicks to each other. Like Pansy Parkinson runs into Harry, and he's pretty sure he's gonna get his ass beat, but she's just like, thanks for saving my friend from his terrible father. And then she goes on to be good friends with, and then eventually, but not in this book, lesbian lovers with Hermione. And then we do continue on as in the canon plot, but everything is just so much more civil between the kids, and also Snape. Snape is way more chill. Like, the whole squad comes in, we get to meet Colin Creevy, who is not important really, but he's just shows up. They do the whole Mandrake scene and Lockhart, yeah, he's there. He's of course oblivious and self-absorbed, but he doesn't really play an important part in the plot because everything gets revised. And then they add Luna Lovegood in there too because some gay shit's gonna go down with that. We do get some more expansions on Harry's major abilities. I feel like they never go that in depth with it. They'll just like briefly throw in something about it and then move away. But he manages to get the pixies to go back into their cages during that scene and 
they actually have McGonagall address Lockhart's incompetence and her disagreement on Dumbledore's choice to hire him. And I also wonder about that. Like, why the fuck did Dumbledore hire him if he knew what an incompetent fuck he was? For the comedy value? That's all I can think of. Alright, now it's time for the first of that gay shit, and you're not gonna be able to guess who's involved in that gay shit, because it's Draco's mom. Yeah, that's right. So she gets custody over her son. She didn't abuse him. She was abused herself as well. And she tried to protect him whenever she could. So she sends him a very loving letter to tell him all that. And she also mentions, hey, there's going to be an article in the Daily Prophet about me. Uh, It actually is true, but don't be alarmed. And that article, it's about that gay shit. Because the scandal is that Narcissa Malfoy has a muggle girlfriend and they've been together for quite a long time. And now that Lucius is in jail, they're finally free to be together. Also, apparently, uh, this wasn't really necessary, I feel like, but who am I to say no to more lesbians? Apparently Draco's mom fucked Harry's mom when they were both in school together. Yeet. So Harry gets like super fucking pissed off that Rita Skeeter who wrote that article was saying how lesbianism is also scandalous and that being a virgin before marriage is the only way to go. Because insulting his dead parents is enough to get him to pretty much pass out from rage in this rendition of the Harry Potter universe where he's just really physically weak from malnutrition and also magic sensitive. And oh my god, McGonagall's such a fucking good mom. Like, she cares about him so fucking much. She's always ready to yell at Dumbledore for him, and she has a room built for him in her quarters because she's just trying so fucking hard. She's actually a, a fucking badass in this fic, and the rest of the series too, from what I can tell by the tags. So the main plot's gonna kick in now, because he starts hearing the basilisk inside the walls, but he knows it's a snake right away after talking to some snakes in the Dursley's garden or something, so he kind of knows what's up. So they do summon a snake, which Harry ends up keeping as a pet, because Draco knows that spell to do that, and then being responsible, because they have a supportive and logical adult they can turn to, they go to McGonagall and they're like, yo, uh, this little snake that we summoned said that there's an even bigger snake just chilling up in the walls of the castle and McGonagall's like, yep, fucking chamber of secrets is open. Fucking kid died last time that happened. So they're like, oh, moaning Myrtle, how did you die? And then she's like, yeah, I like that. I died like that. And then they're like, oh, basilisk, that's it. Wow, they just got that whole thing done so much quicker than in the actual book. Like, that's what happens when all the adults are an idiots and some of them aren't even approachable and helpful. They do go to Hagrid because McGonagall knows that basilisks are weak to the cry of the rooster, but someone's been killing all the roosters, so it's not going to be that easy because Susan Bones still did end up picking up that diary in the beginning of you'll recall. So the adults decide to seal the chambers closed for good measure, and they're actually like, hey, you know what? We really shouldn't let 12 year olds do all our problems like this. No child will be involved in this spell. Now, it may seem like, okay, the threat's locked away, but it's it's not because Susan Bones, Tom Riddle, they're gonna get up to some shit. And once again, McGonagall's being fucking reasonable as shit at the Quidditch game. She's like, um, why wasn't that match called off if the bludger was fucking cursed and my kid broke his arm? I think we need to all chill out about children's sports. Personally, I don't get people who get so worked up about children's sports. Like, it's, it's a fucking game. They're, they're fucking kids. They're just playing to have fun. I played soccer when I was younger, and I just 
ended up hating it towards the end when I quit. It wasn't fun anymore because everyone was taking it so fucking seriously. We were just fucking high schoolers, like, really? Who fucking cares? If you have a kid on a sports team or think you ever will, just let them fucking play. Don't be fucking insane about it, okay? Don't, like, fight the ref or the other team's parents. And don't be like, oh my god, why did you you, you score that goal? And don't, don't treat them like shit over that, okay? Because it can really fuck up someone's love of the sport. And it can really fuck them up in other ways, too. Uh, anyways, my tangent's over. McGonagall doesn't let Lockhart fix Harry's arm. He still needs to spend a night in the hospital wing because he's still suffering the effects of malnutrition and they're just all very concerned about his general health. And, and Dobby does show up and their conversation goes into a happier direction this time where Harry figures out that Dobby's the Malfoy's house elf because of how he's describing his master leaving and his mistress being much happier. And they're going to go over to Malfoy's for Christmas this year because Narcissa said that they're all welcome in her home in the letter that she sent earlier. The Harry-Snape dynamic's also improving. There's this scene where Snape needs his help to extract venom from a snake for a potion, so he needs a parcel tongue speaker to help him out. He's like trying so hard not to be an asshole. He's like, here's some biscuits, Harry. And uh, this liquid luck potion as thanks, Harry, who I'm calling by his first name for like the first time ever. And now in spite of the adults' efforts to seal the chamber, we still get the scene in which someone writes enemies of the air beware. The chamber of secrets has been opened on the wall in blood. And, 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 okay, it's decidedly not cool to kill cats, not only in real life, obviously, but in any work of fiction, like, you can kill as many humans as you want, but the instant you kill a cat, or a dog for that matter, fucking shame on you, and as much as I hate fake-out deaths, this one I'm perfectly fine with, because it can't be a fix-it fic if there's a dead cat in it, because, um, Miss Norris is only petrified. Did she die in the original? I don't remember, but... She doesn't die here, so it's still a fix-it because there's no dead cat. Filch flips the fuck out, though, because he thinks Harry killed the cat because he happened to be there at the scene of the crime. And honestly, I, I don't have a cat. I, I want a cat, but if I had a cat, if someone hurt it, if someone killed it, I would flip the fuck out and they would feel my wrath and I would do some most certainly not legal things to them. So I get where Filch is coming from, even though he's attacking a child. And then McGonagall freaking curses Filch out in front of everyone and then just fucking straight up fires him for assaulting a student, as would happen in any sane school. <laughs> I should really reread these books or rewatch the movies at least now that I'm a bit older and realize the terrible shit Dumbledore lets people get away with. And they still don't close this school here, yeah, even though everyone knows what's up pretty early on. They just have a bunch of mirrors set up everywhere, so they, no one will get killed. Just, he's just petrified, you know? There's a pretty low bar for adult responsibility at Hogwarts, so I'm still impressed that they implemented any sort of safety precautions at all. Let's get to that dueling club shit, though, because it goes much better than in, in the actual thing. <laughs> Uh, I think I've underemphasized that Hermione and Pansy Parkinson are fucking gay as shit. Pansy's like totally hitting on her all the time, even though she's paired up with uh, Millicent Bulstrode in this first installment, but I'm, I'm fucking shipping these two here. Draco and Harry are also pretty gay. <laughs> they just like blush around each other and stuff, but the author intends to follow through with this. I've never really gotten this shit because of, you know, how they hate each other and everything, but it works in this context since they're actually friends. Friendship? I really don't understand is Harry Snape. I, it's not in here, but it just baffles me. I it just I just don't get it. So yeah, Snape and Lockhart duel. Lockhart gets his ass kicked, and 
Snape has been inexplicably less of an asshole this year, so they're all extra happy that he won. And then Draco and Harry are chosen as an example for the dueling partners. And now since Draco knows that Harry's a personal mouth already, and he doesn't think it would be a good idea if everyone else suddenly knew that, he doesn't conjure the snake. So it goes much better. Pansy, which I hate that name, honestly. It's a horrible name. Pansy and Hermione battle, and it's like, yep, they know a bunch of advanced spells. Good thing Dumbledore isn't here to see them using all this crazy magic that 12-year-olds really shouldn't fucking know. Since when is Dumbledore giving a fuck about anything? And the ironic thing is that this fic made me realize that. And this is really the side note. It's not really important, but there's some highlights I'd like to point out. The whole squad's now into muggle entertainment, and some of the best parts here just Harry's just translating a Wonder Woman comic into a parcel tongue for his pet snake. And then they're talking about vampires or something, but there's just this quote that says, Drinking away the patriarchy. That is the ideal when Shikasthotica's experience right there. But let's get back to the main plot here. They find the diary, because it got thrown through Moaning Myrtle's head in the bathroom, and because of Harry's mage senses, he immediately knows that it's some real dark shit, and they do the responsible thing and take it to Dumbledore. He's like, alright, let's get some info about who's brought Tom Riddle's diary back to Hogwarts. I'll make an announcement. If you lost your journal, come fucking get it. And they find out that it's Susan Bones, and she opened the chamber and did all that shit that Ginny actually didn't count in. And McGonagall's here, and she's just fucking over it. I'm just gonna read a quote, starting with Dumbledore's dialogue. No lasting harm has been done. We'll just lock the diary away and reseal the chamber. No lasting harm! Albus, an innocent student, has been possessed by a dark artifact and traumatized in her place of learning. We cannot go on as before. Well, what do you propose that we do? Dumbledore asked, rubbing his forehead tiredly. Send Miss Bones to the hospital wing to be taken care of until Severus to prepare and gather potion ingredients for a very large corpse. As for me, I will need to borrow Fox and the Sword of Gryffindor. Professor McGonagall clenched her hands. I'm gonna blow up a monster, Minnie said, covering Harry's ears with her hands. I've had it with this motherfucking basilisk in this motherfucking chamber. I'm not really sure how she knew exactly what to do, but... She just goes full badass. I don't even care. It's just some good shit. Here's another quote about the plan she forms. Okay, Harry. She knelt down to look her boy in the eyes. Your part is very important, but I also need you to stay safe. You are going to open the chamber. I am going to descend. Then you are going to call the basilisk. As a parcel mouth, you should have some measure of control. I am going to have Fox peck out the eyes, and then I am going to stab it until it dies. Sounds simple enough. But shouldn't we do something about the diary first? Ah, uh, yes, smart boy. What would I do without you? Harry blushed at the compliment as Minerva grabbed the sorting hat off a stool in the corner and stuck her arm in it, fishing around a moment before she pulled out a great ruby-encrusted sword. Albus, step back from the desk and send your Patronus to Severus to ask him to meet us up here. The headmaster, accepting that he was no longer the one in charge of the situation, merely nodded and did as instructed. Minerva picked up the heavy sword with as much ease as she picked up her wand. 
It wasn't for nothing she was named after the Roman goddess of wisdom and battle. She closed one eye and lined up the blade before plunging it downwards into the diary. And the book let out a terrible scream and a putrid cloud of fetid blackness, visible not only to Harry but to the others in the room, exited the pages with a scream. Harry gripped Susan's hand reassuringly as she blanched. Well, that's one obstacle out of the way, she said. So, obviously, McGonagall is metal as fuck. After casually destroying a horcrux, she just descends into the chamber. And Harry's minimally involved, just opening the chamber and just kind of feeling the snake moving around inside the walls. Kind of surveying, I guess. Unfortunately, by law, I am required to mock an author if they use the word orb in place of eye. Just check, just check out this sentence. Stop it, stupid fire chicken, the bastard was yelled, followed by a scream of agony, as Fox managed to peck out the fatal magical orb in its right eye socket. I think just fatal eye would have done the trick, but you know, I do love me a good orb now and then. Also, fire chicken. I'm also required by law to bring up Ozai and suggest that we call him Fire Chicken Man instead of Phoenix King. Okay, now my legal duties are done with so we can get back to this badassery of McDonald's just slaying the fuck out of the basilisk. She just like gracefully mounts it and then she just fucking stabs it. But once, she stabs it once and it just immediately fucking perishes and everyone watching through like they've got a video spell set up. Everyone just cheers because she's fucking badass. And now they're allowed to go into the chamber because the monster's been defeated. Which I still think is a bit irresponsible because you don't know what could be down there. Someone could just fall over some rocks or through the floor and break their ankle, even if there's not like some dark magic shit. They make you sign waivers before you anything vaguely risky here in the US. I don't know how it is in other places. And Snape is just like crying in joy because he can harvest all these super rare potion ingredients from the basilisk's corpse. And um, they find that Salazar Slytherin has a personal library down in the chamber, and this is one of the things I mentioned in the intro. I think it was kind of shoehorned, and it didn't really incorporate too well. They immediately recognize Parseltongue as a written language, and when they're exposed to it, like, I get that Slytherin would want to have a written version of Parseltongue, but... Harry's always been able to speak Parseltongue, but to read it? Why would he be able to do that? Because humans are innately able to acquire spoken language just by just being exposed to it. But it's not like that with reading, because, you know, reading requires a little more effort, so... I'm a bit confused. Snape is also losing his damn mind to quote over this shit too, and he's like, Harry, if you translate this for me, what can I give you in return? He's like, free quiz grade? And Snape's like, fucking deal. Harry's like, whoa, didn't think that actually would work, but yeah, okay. And they don't do the whole phoenix human chain thing to get out of the chamber. Harry just whispers stairs, and some stairs appear, because I guess Slytherin had to get out of there somehow. Still seems like a pain in the ass to climb that far up some fucking stairs. I personally would have gone with the Phoenix chain. It just seems way more fun and like a once-in-a-lifetime experience. It's just much more enjoyable than climbing up a shit ton of stairs. So yay, happy ending. We still got a few more chapters to go to wrap things up. A lot of fluffy stuff, so... We got Harry just, he's just thinking about what he's gonna get everyone for Christmas. And wow, they really, it didn't take them long to finish off the basilisk thread. It's not even halfway through the year yet.
and they go to the Malfoy's Manor for Christmas and meet Narcissa's girlfriend. All the parents come to and become friends, even the muggles. Uh, <laughs> Harry accidentally finds out that his Animagus is a little black kitten by transforming into it while meditating, which is another one of his strange, kind of unnecessary extra powers. But like, how can I possibly say no to a kitten? Kitten Harry and Mama Cat McGonagall is some good content right there. And then he uses the kitten form to fuck with Lockhart, because he visits him in, in that form a lot, and you know how people will sometimes just talk to animals, so Lockhart does that and confesses some secrets, and Harry leaks it to the public. And they don't fucking send Harry back to the Dursleys for the summer. Very good. That's the end. Fixed. Fixed a lot of shit. I enjoy this on a whole. I haven't been able to read much fanfic lately outside of the stuff I'm covering on the show. But I do hope to read more of the series. Uh, that'll cover it though. I feel like I need to rewatch or reread Harry Potter to fully assess how much of it was fixed by this rewrite. But goddamn, they're, they're really out there just letting 12 year olds fight big ass magical fatal orb snakes. None of these adults do shit. Not even the ones who know something's up. And, and none of these kids are even comfortable enough to tell in the whole story like fuck that shit fuck jk rowling though so good job author this was less exciting than the original series but i guess that was kind of the point and it was definitely not as frustrating don't give up on finishing this series you made it this far you can fix it all so today we covered the chamber of secrets and half the adults are idiots from the much better dursleys can fuck off slytherins are people too au series by des98 des98 the Bars Low is on Instagram. You can find us at the Bars Low with an underscore in between each word. Follow us so you know what's coming up next. As always, I'm your pal, Wenchik Athoticus. This is the Bars Low. Thank you for joining me, and that's all for today.